0: Hello and welcome to Her Me Out, the podcast. Here we are, and here we have been, um, still in the same situation as the previous episode uh, mandatory quarantine. Uh, as you know, this is Her Me Out, and we talk about how movies, our favorite movies in the past, have perpetuated us. What is perpetuation? It is the perpetuation of rib culture in the media. And we have today with us a stellar, stellar guest who is going to be able to open this discussion even further about perpetuation. She is lovely. She is lawyerly. She is Paige Mayer. Welcome, Paige. Hi. How are you doing? Uh,
1: I mean, I'm good. I'm also, I've been in the house, so... Just nice to hear another human's voice.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> that indeed is very nice. Um, just so everyone knows, we're not actually together. We are We're obeying all the rules of the quarantine. and uh, But we're still here doing this because it's an important thing to talk about rape culture in the media, right? Paige, Paige, tell me. Want to watch a movie about a woman who does amazing, very smart things, but only because she was trying to win the affection of a super mediocre man? Um, yeah, do you? Yeah. Know, always then Legally Blonde is the perfect film for you. Um, Yes, that's right. You already knew this because you can see it on the thing, but we are talking about the movie Legally Blonde. Um, And we have Paige Mayer here. She is um, a lawyer. So if you would love to tell us a little bit about your background, I mean, just a brief description of uh, you as a lawyerly (laughs) person. Sure. Um, So I... I am
1: a a, a real life, uh, you know, barred attorney. Um, Mm -hmm. I currently work as a judicial law clerk in a a court uh, in the civil, a civil court
0: in, in New Jersey in the United States of America. Okay. Yeah. So, can you very briefly, as we're talking about Legally Blonde, I'd love to know what is it that is your experience with this film? Because I know for myself, this was, I think, one of two films that my sister and I repeatedly borrowed from Blockbuster. It was Legally Blonde and Bring It On, those two films. So, what is your, what is your, like, um, memories of this movie? Yeah. I remember watching it a lot uh, as a, as a,
1: like, preteen to teen, I, yeah, I remember thinking Elle was a really cool badass lady and, and you know, and uh, and then I watched a lot more in, like, college because it was always on E. Always on. It's always on. Yeah. And it's a movie I watched, like, in law school with my law school friends. I feel like it's it's transformed mm-hmm. and meant different things to me at different points in my life. Ooh. But it's always a fun time. Yeah. It's never a movie that you turn always. on and, like, five minutes later are like, ugh, I'm bored you're never
0: bored it's a great time there's so much for everyone in this film truly Mm -hmm. it's a joy and a treat and I again like just like last episode where I talked about another movie that I love um I think and this is is why I like talking about movies that I love because we can love them and still know that there are things going on that we have to keep in mind and so we're just going to go ahead and get into what exactly is going on in this film Lily Blonde is about a amazing girl named Elle Woods. She is the president of her sorority, Delta Nu, um, at some university. Oh, no, UCLA, right? Yeah. You know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, she is dating this guy named Warner, who's like typical, I don't know, hot man. I don't know what you would describe this guy. Probably fraternity dude. And um, he is going to be going to Harvard the next year. So uh, they, she thinks, and so do all of her friends, that he's going to be proposing to her that evening. Um, so they go out to dinner. She's all ready to be proposed to, and he breaks up with her. Uh, she's devastated, Doesn't did not see it coming. He's like, I need to be with someone more serious. And she's like, but I'm seriously in love with you. And it's a whole thing. Um, And then she decides that she's going to come up with this brilliant plan to get him back, which is that she's going to go to Harvard. She's going to get into law school and follow him there to show that she is serious. Once she gets there, she sees that he is engaged to a mean girl, I guess you would say, Vivian, who's played by um, Selma Blair. And yeah, and that's where we're going to start. So from there, we're going to go into our first chapter. Chapter one she's hot but that's not the point okay so here we are we have Elle Woods who's a very stereotypically attractive woman um and uh she's like dating this guy now what are what are your thoughts about the whole just like the the situation that she's in uh Warner sucks <laughs> it's yeah. my first
1: thought <laughs> he's like that he's not even cute um he's actually nice. like, a little well, bit I, mean, like, I don't either. know He's a little bit cuter later when he's in his like sweater look in Harvard, but oh, in yeah, yeah. Um, but he sucks. I, I'm like, you wanted to marry this guy? Did you want to marry this guy, or did you just like want to be married when you graduated college at
0: 22? I don't know. Completely. Um, like, what is it you're valuing so much? This this right. uh, relationship? Because you're because this
1: is a guy that is smiling while dumping you. <laughs>
0: i know and like what i what drove me crazy was the fact that like he comes over to pick her up and he like makes out with her like at the door right yeah so it's like what are you doing if yeah. you're like if you know you're about to break up with her it just it's so crazy calls and, her then, Pooh Bear, and then he's like you look amazing it's very weird. and then he literally says to her like as he is like i'm gonna break up with you he's like uh i just need to stop dicking around yeah you, you think you've been dicking around with me like yeah. is that is that what you're saying what
1: how can you say that to someone? And then say, like, it's not that I don't uh, love you. You It's one or the other. You either love me and you can't be with me or you're dicking around with me. And yeah, yeah he said he also calls her. Uh, he says he needs to be with a Jackie and not a Marilyn. And it's like, that's not a thing that any human being would ever say to another human being like no. uh he just like insults her and i mean we'll
0: get to this but like later in the movie he keeps insulting her like he truly is like a an example of someone being like but you don't have more value than your beauty right and now that
1: i need to get married my family's not going to be impressed with just your beauty uh which is also like I, I don't know i feel like i live on the east coast and that's not necessarily true hot people are valuable <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. They're, they're so valued everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know. It's like he hasn't met. They, their families haven't met. I guess. No. I maybe I'm not so
1: clear on their relationship timeline. But like, it's also insulting to me as like the target audience for this movie that they don't even try to make him likable. And this is a thing also later with um uh Paulette's
0: ex. Oh, Paulette.
1: Yeah. Um, Where it's like they don't mm-hmm. even try. Like, you could work just a little bit harder to try to make the guy, it, me, understand why she would like this person in the first place. I mean, in some ways, you know, it's nice, like, that the men in this movie are, in a way, only a plot device. Like, you know, go go women. But mm-hmm. in, in another way, it's like, she's the same person. I mean, she changes, she evolves, whatever. But the cool, like, telling off the store clerk lady, badass president of sorority, L Woods, like, would she really put up with this
0: guy? Oh. Yeah. Completely. And also, it reminds me of... There's this moment... This is a very small moment in in the movie, but like um, when she... And this is later on, but I'm going to talk about it now. When she... She's getting, she's friends with that like really tall guy, you know, yes. the guy who like brings her up. The really yeah. tall guy. Um, really tall guy, and he he's like trying to like ask a girl out, mm-hmm. right on the on the street. And so L sees this, and she like goes over to him and is like, "How dare you not call me back? Like, you gave mm-hmm. me one of the best nights of my life," and then like runs away, being like, "You don't get me anymore." And then the, and then the other girl is yeah. like, "Oh, do you want to like go out on our date?" And it's like, "Wait, so you want a date?" The guy who didn't call the girl back.
1: You know what's so like, funny what? is I read the scene. I have a note about the scene too, but it's like completely like I'm like, why does he want to go out with this girl that just called him a loser? That
0: too. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot to unpack in even just this moment. But yeah. I don't know. To me, it's just really crazy because I'm like, why is it that you that you just don't. It, it you don't value like women are just taught even in moments like that that we should like the guy that is that's not going to treat us well right. almost it, unattainable unattainable completely yeah. it's it's very upsetting and so yeah that's what makes it that much more insane well I mean I guess in this situation she didn't see him as unattainable but like it makes it makes sense why she is so motivated to to get him back, right? Because it's like the other thing
1: is is something I was thinking about is is uh, again I'm not super clear on the timeline of this movie, like when he breaks up with her, um, because yeah. it has to be fairly early into their senior year in order for her to have time to yeah. take the LSATs and uh, apply to law school. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been I would say at least like nine months between the time he breaks up with her and when she you know, starts Harvard at least, you know, if not longer. So yeah. that's also like, really? Like you're still hung
0: up on this guy? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's, it's, a, and it, I, it's again, like something that, that I've talked about on the podcast before, but it's, it's mostly the question of like, do you actually want this guy or just want to be in the relationship at all? Right. Um, And it becomes clear. Yeah. Uh, it's the later on. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm um so so basically at this point um as we've said she she says like i'm gonna become a lawyer i'm gonna do this so that he will love me again um and she she goes to ask her parents whether or not she should she can go and her father says and i quote mm-hmm. law school law school is for people who are ugly boring and serious now page mayor mm-hmm. lawyer lawyerly lady how do you feel about
1: that Um, I feel great. I feel like that aptly describes me and is on my, all my business cards. Um, okay. No. Okay. So like something, yeah, I was thinking about, uh, first of all, I would like to say that, that in law school, my friends and I love this line. Um, but it is funny because that I think that only applies to women. Right. Um, yeah. Warner is none of those things. Um, and Mm -hmm. in general, like I was thinking about this and, you know, dumb, boneheaded frat guys get to be lawyers with, like, no one blinking an eye. Like, it's a classic, mediocre, dumb guy move. Um yes. Like, it's, cl- like, you know, like, that dick frat guy who, like, p- drank through college is now a lawyer. Like, it just happens. Mm-hmm. And n- I've never heard anybody say to a man, uh, you don't seem like you'd be a lawyer. Like, you don't look like a lawyer. Um, <laughs> and con- contrary. Yeah. Uh you were there when uh, I, we were at a uh, dance club in Barcelona um, and he was trying to hit on me and uh, get me to sit by him and he asked me what I did for a living and I told him I was a lawyer and he, I think, like laughed or something. And I was like, what? And he's like, well, you don't look like a lawyer. And I said, what does a lawyer look like? And he said, boring. <gasps> I forgot that part.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there you go. That basically sums it up. I I think it probably has something to do with the fact that like women are not meant to be boring in the eyes of of right. like okay, we're going to talk about a thing, which is that women there's a there's this idea that Women are supposed to be like objectified and like sexual objects. Obviously, that doesn't uh, pertain to everybody this day and age. And a lot of people have been able to unsee this, but it's still basically this idea that that's how we view women. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of men, it's difficult to separate like the beauty of a woman's, like her value as her beauty, with the other parts of her, which is something that happens a lot in this movie. All we do is see her being valued for her body and people looking at her and being like, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Right beautiful i can't separate anything else about her from that fact right so for for you for that guy in that moment it's kind of a, a like a little iteration of that right i will say though um
1: there's a there's like another side to that too which is like she is ogled a lot obviously it's complicated but she also it's re like that's we're led to believe based on the way the movie shows the scene with the perfy old men in the Harvard office, that that's kind of why Mm -hmm. she gets into Harvard. It doesn't really matter that she got a 179 uh, on her LSATs, which Mm -hmm. is impossible score,
0: but we were going to, I was going to bring that (laughs) up later.
1: But, um, and you know, it doesn't in the end, all that really matters. There's oh, diversity. blah, Blah blah. I can also understand why, you know, it, maybe rubs people the wrong way um particularly i'm thinking of the um of like vivian and the uh enid i think her name is um yes uh the the one who said she got her phd in women's studies yes um of course yes uh i can understand why it might rub them the wrong way that she doesn't seem like she has ever really thought about going to law school. She doesn't seem like she really cares about being in law school. She was just like really hot and uh, got in that way while everybody else is talking about how they were volunteering in countries and getting PhDs and all that stuff. And, and also, Mm -hmm. you know, meritocracy is a weird thing and and Ivy league schools are a scam, but, um, (laughs) but it's also like, I can, I'm watching this movie and I can understand why people are not super thrilled to have, her there sort of in the beginning at least you know not seeming to care took someone spot at this really elite school uh
0: just because she could um yeah yeah which is i mean we can't deny that that's true because she literally is going to the school because she's trying to to win him back so right. i mean we so glad that it brought her so much more, which we right. will discuss. But um, yeah, I actually hadn't thought about it that way. And that's completely understandable. What I did think about was the fact, which is this fact, the fact that she is accepted into the school. Well, first of all, the board is just like six white dudes, yeah, you know, in a room. Like, yeah. And um, yeah. I be, imagine, there'd be a so- token woman by 2020, but. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. Um, and. Yeah. And so like that kind of moment where, again, they're just like trying to come up with reasons why they should accept her. But like it's Mm -hmm. quite obvious that they're implying that it should just be for that. So it's kind of this weird, weird world, because, again, like what is so interesting about Legally Blonde to me is like we love this movie because it is about a woman who is underestimated and um, just completely like not what you expect um, doing something and like overcoming it and using her womanhood to do that thing but also there's a side of it that you're just kind of like they're only allowing her to do that because of her womanhood does that make sense yes like, well not she, only she, her
1: womanhood but her hot yeah her hot womanhood her white womanhood her rich womanhood mm-hmm. like she her parents are paying yeah. for her to go to harvard
0: okay so let's get on to some more plot um, we're going to say that she, she studied, we, well, you already mentioned this, but I wanted to ask, she studies real mm-hmm. hard, gets a one seventy nine. So you've said this is a very, really insane score. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's out of 180. So, um, wow, okay. hmm I think the point is that we learn from that is that she's really, actually really, 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 really smart mm-hmm. and just very underestimated, um, which I think is important for the rest of the movie. So anyway, she goes to Harvard and does the whole thing. Um, and still, Warner underestimates her ability to to succeed. So, like, um, when Vivian plays that like mean trick on her by inviting her to a party, she dresses up at the costume party. When she shows up, um, the people are all making fun of her and you know just being like thinking she's a joke um so then she goes and talks to warner about it and she brings up callahan's internship which callahan is one of their professors who we're going to talk about a lot later on um but he has this internship that everyone's talking about and she brings it up and warner reminds her once again that she isn't good enough saying that she's just like i think his direct quote is like you're just not smart enough sweetie um sweetie oh god (laughs) so then she, she steps up her game again and manages to snag the internship along with Selma and Warner, and also Have her you. love interest, Flash Advisor Emmett. Well, I guess he's not in the internship, but he's he's there. He's a um, he's oh, the yeah, first year he- associate. He's already so that means he's a lawyer. He already graduated law school. Yes, he's there as well. And then, well, also within that whole time period is when she f- come, f- becomes friends with Paulette, which you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Paulette is the lady that works at the nail salon who she goes to when she's really upset and Paula becomes her friend. Um, So we're going to go straight into chapter two. Chapter two. Women are amazing, but sometimes their motivations could use some work. say my big takeaway from this entire movie is that women uh, can be exceptional but a lot of times their motivations for doing things uh, need a little bit of work so in this movie like we see this girl doing like a really 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 amazing thing she always had it in her but the only reason that she felt like she should do it or needed to do it is because she was following a man um, and I know that the movie is like we're meant to learn in the end, like oh she she was able to find it for herself, like she is an empowered woman, blah 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 blah. But like uh, still, it, why is it that this is the only thing that would motivate a woman enough to do something, right? Yeah. Something that they actually really want to do. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. I mean, she gets into Harvard Law just for that guy. Yeah. Like, what are these lengths and that pace. we're willing to go? like what a couple
1: probably hundred thousand dollars to go there over the course of three years yeah and she
0: had no intention of being a lawyer so I don't know it's just like it's it's crazy to me that I I feel like this just happens a lot though that women I'm not saying that we we will make every choice to follow a man but we have a lot of pressure right uh, I think just historically speaking to be the ones that will make choices in order to to accommodate like the lives of a man who, you know, we, they've always been able to have more of a life where they were told, like, do the things that you want to do in order to reach your career. Mm-hmm. um, And whatever it is that you want to do, like you can do that. And that can be your main goal. Whereas our main goal has uh, always been told to us as like, you should be following a relationship. Um, and so it makes sense to me why it's like that, but this mm-hmm. narrative is really toxic. And we can very clearly see that in this movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, even just Um, like Warner uh, clearly picks his relationship based on his career, not the other way around, right? That's why he ends up with Vivian um, and gets engaged after
0: what, like a month? (laughs) And like even at the part where he where where he's like or she she says to him like I'll never be good enough for you yeah but her goal is still to, to get him mm-hmm. like, it doesn't change there's like that the it doesn't change for a while until she like realizes that she's good at it right so it's like there's two times in that where she's like well it's still like I'm just gonna keep trying to do this mm-hmm. for him yeah um, and I don't know like do you feel that in your life sometimes I don't know I mean you're very independent like very very uh empowered lady but like yeah. do you ever feel like sometimes you give in a little bit to specific things um, that you might not like?
1: yeah I mean less so now I mean I think I was didn't feel lucky at the time but I, I do think from my personal journey it was lucky I was single for a long time <laughs> um like probably yeah. there were five years between my high school relationship and um the relationship um and now I think because of that, I kind of had to find um, other motivations for my life. Um, uh, but I definitely think in in high school, sure, I was willing to put up with a lot. Um, but it's been it's it was a lot of work to get to a place where I I wasn't kind of willing to throw
0: everything away for a guy. Um, it's yeah. such like a normal narrative that we see that it's hard not to be like that's what right. I should do
1: and yeah in some ways as a a woman i feel like I you have to either you have to kind of overcompensate to even get there right like um yeah. as uh in law school i would sometimes when i was you know arguing something and i was on like moot court um so we did a lot of you know mock court sign up kind of argument stuff and i had a male professor once tell me that i was coming across as aggressive um as a critic, I'm pretty sure I was
0: there I'm pretty sure we were there um
1: <laughs> that one time you yeah. visited me at law school and witnessed some yeah. some great uh feminism happening um yeah so and I had to kind of make a conscious decision to be like no this moot court competition that doesn't really mean anything uh is not more important to me than holding on to my sense of kind of who I am and and Understanding that it is a totally, I was, it's a totally sexist critique um, that is not given to men. And uh, yeah, I had to make the conscious decision, though, to to be like, I'm not going to kind of modulate my voice and become more submissive to win a meaningless
0: competition. Um, yeah, completely. Yeah, because, well, let's explain that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone, someone says something like that, like, you sound aggressive, it's because that they have this idea that women should be sounding less, they should sound submissive, or they should sound less um, intense when they're speaking, because that's what, what is our idea of what a woman, how a woman speaks. So when a woman is, is doing something that maybe a man is more, we're more used to seeing a man speak like that. Um, and especially because, for example, with lawyers, like we're so used to seeing even in media or like in in real trials, a lot of men um, as lawyers, that when a woman is being like that, it, it can be perceived as, I don't know, as you said, as right. aggressive. And that's completely like a sexist way of right. viewing it because yeah. men can it, yeah. men men can bang on the
1: table and like scream and it's considered
0: passionate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it's just seen as them being right. powerful. Uh, their anger is perceived differently. Right. Completely as powerful rather than as, um, I don't know, just aggressive.
1: Yeah. Do you think you've made decisions based on, well,
0: I mean, it's an interesting thing. I feel exactly the same way as you do in the sense that, um, I was also single for a very long time. And I think that it was a really important point in my life because like, Like you said, we just were we're kind of forced to make priorities in our life that were about us and and value a lot of things about ourselves that maybe we wouldn't have had the time to value had we always been in relationships. Um, And I don't know. I mean, I think what it also taught me is that, like, I can be single, you know, I Mm -hmm. can completely be that. And I'm perfectly happy being single. I mean, obviously, it's nice to be in a relationship. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's a certain kind of intimacy and love that you really miss when you're not in one. But, like, you're not going to break. You're not going to not be able to continue living your life. Um, and I think that's kind of not something, like, a lot of women kind of feel like or are taught that right. it is the most important thing. And that without that, they're not really a full person, kind of like they don't have an identity. Right. And because they like, you know, we see this all the time. There are women who, who's their, who their identity becomes the person that they're dating. And I completely understand that. Like, I feel like I would have fallen into that trap quite easily if I hadn't had such a long period of time where I was single. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think I feel the same way in that sense. Um, and definitely there are still times in my life where I do things, And I notice that I'm kind of the person that's more willing to make sacrifices. I wouldn't necessarily say that I think like, well, I don't know. I I have this debate internally with myself Mm -hmm. all the time where I'm like, should it be that men make more sacrifices or women make less? And I'm almost like maybe men, instead of teaching women, like we should start teaching women to stop stop saying sorry. I'm like, well, maybe we should be teaching men to say sorry more. And like, maybe we shouldn't stop women to... tell women to stop sacrificing things but to tell men to start start sacrificing them more
1: well yeah I mean um, to tell women to act more like men in that way is is just leaning into the patriarchy um you know mm-hmm. uh it's yeah. the whole I mean it's the whole quote unquote lean in feminism right where it's like you can be, you should act you should become a CEO as a female even if it means you know acting like a dick and and stepping on other women to get there. Um, when in reality, yeah, I mean, I think men becoming, uh, more, I don't want to say submissive, more, uh, nurturing, more, um, vulnerable, uh, more willing to make sacrifices
0: and more caring having more of a global view rather than just like a more individual view yeah because women have more of this idea that they should be taken care of multiple rather than just themselves right so i think if men were taught and again again all of these things cultural right um generalities but just like that it was more uh yeah just like uh, kind of taught more that like they need to focus more of their time on on the family and on things like that
1: Right, which I don't know if we're going to talk about this specific conversation later, but the that super comes up um, when
0: Vivian and Elle start bonding, and what does she say? Yes. I was was gonna talk about. Are you talking about when she when she's talking about how he always asks her to do things for oh, him? Oh yeah,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Elle say it. Yeah. Let's do it now.
0: Okay, let's Great. do it now. He. She's talking about how um, Callahan is always like uh, asking the girls to bring coffee to him and and to get them like food and stuff, um, and and then he she she one uh, of I think L is like men are hopeless you know that like yeah, Warner can't them, even do yeah. his laundry yeah um, and yeah and so that's like we have a saying here between Paige and I which is stop mothering so yes. please explain Paige. Stop mothering 2020. Um, although it turns out there's a lot going on in 2020. So
1: if you don't get to this till 2021, it's fine.
0: Like, you know what, to be fair, I think that now's a good time to yeah. stop mothering. Because the thing is a lot of people are going to be in their homes yeah. with their partners. And like there, this is coming up a lot. Like there are mm-hmm. people who are, who are, are forced to spend a lot of time together. And um, the idea is that women have a lot more just like, responsibilities and like I've even spoken recently to a friend who is talking about how his um someone that he knew um, was living with their partner and and the male of the of the partnership was like okay I I have to be working so like you have to be like taking the, these other things like I make the most money in the, in the family and like I need to be I'm mm-hmm. um, really focused on my job and like she was she also has a job and so she is trying to take care of their kid and do her job and I don't know. It's hard because it's true that, that he does make more money. And like in the other situation, you know, you would also want the person who, what, like if it was the woman in the other situation that she would be um, expected to be able to work or have the time to be able to work. But also I just feel like in this situation, if the woman were the one who was working more and had like a higher paying job, she would still probably find time to, to, mm-hmm to take into account those other things simply because of the pressure that women have to do that. So yeah. So stop mothering. Yes. Cause you know what it does when you mother, it just me, it just continues the same right. pattern. But it's really hard. It. It's really hard. Cause it also Cause makes. we love mother.
1: Right. Well we, yeah, we're, we're
0: programmed to do it and also makes my life easier. Right. Yep. It does. And also we're so good at it. You yep. know, we're just like, I want to make your food. And I mean, not that, not that that's always the case. I mean, but I just mean like I, I have a – there's a deep comfort that I feel rise within me when I take care of somebody. And I'm like, I know what that is. It's my mothering. It's there. It's inside of me. I just like it, – it brings me joy to be able to do those kinds of things. But you also have to just be wary like the more there is a delicate balance and like um, it, it's based on a, a history of of women being the caretakers – and no to no fault of men in the sense that like, they they don't maybe realize this, but like, it's very normal in a heteronormative relationship for them not to realize that they're expecting that of the woman um, in an unfair way. So yeah. And just in the same sense with Warner, who, like, can't do his laundry and, like, how the men are expecting, like, would the, would immediately, like, Callahan would immediately assume that the woman should be the one to bring the coffee and stuff like that. Again, just, like, it's hard for him, specifically Callahan, to separate women from his generalized idea of what women are, which we'll get into it more. Right. Um, there was something else that I wanted to ask about, which was okay. So there's a beautiful moment when when L gets figures out that she got the internship. She goes over to to Warner and is like, uh, "Do you remember when we were in the hot tub for like four hours?" And then she's like, "This is so much better than that." Which, to be fair, in the musical version of this has a has an amazing song, such a yeah. good song. Um, and then, but then, anyway, so so Selma is like four hours and I was like I was just wondering if like maybe in that mo- moment Selma is is like actually thinking like about her own sex with Warner and it's right. like my own sex with him isn't very good which leads me to believe that Elle Woods is an advocate for herself in bed agree or disagree
1: <sighs> um it's funny because I have a, a totally different question about that moment but um oh, okay <laughs> or comment rather but um Hmm. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, I hope that the answer is yes. I hope she's an advocate for herself in bed. I think she's probably smart enough and has been kind of trained enough to bring it up in a way that doesn't seem demanding. That seems like, like very sexy, like, oh, I like it when you, you know, do this or like, Mm -hmm. wow, you're so good at the, you know what I mean? I feel like she probably advocates for herself, but in a way that's, that's sneaky.
0: But also, I guess you have to question whether or not those are actually the things that she wants or she's just saying things that maybe she thinks he wants. Yeah. But I don't know. I just get the sense that Elwoods Woods is an advocate for herself in bed. That's just how yeah. I feel. No,
1: I think she's probably – she's learned – like, we see her kind of manipulate men a lot. So I think she's probably learned how to be an advocate for herself in very sneaky ways where people don't realize what she's doing, you know? Mm. She's very smart
0: yeah, yeah. Um, okay so what was your point about this Well, moment? my
1: point which is also a larger point about the vivian dynamic is uh, again one of those things where when i watched as a, a teen or whatever it's like "Oh, vivian sucks why is winter with her mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. if there were if your fiance's ex-girlfriend showed up and was just like mm-hmm. st- stopped you in the hallway to be like remember when i had sex with your with you for four hours <laughs> It'd be crazy you it would be crazy. It would be crazy, and I would be unhappy with that right. woman. yeah completely,
0: <laughs> completely. I completely agree. Right. And it's like, this, yeah,
1: the same thing when she shows up to their study group. Like, I don't want my fiance's ex girlfriend in my study group. I
0: think that's fair. Totally. I think that's completely fair. Plus, she knows that Elle is only there to get right. her boyfriend. I mean, like that's pretty clear, right? And even in the first
1: scene where she we're establishing her as like the villain, um, because what the professor, um what's her name i don't know her name aristotle yeah, i mean kicks um <laughs> kicks uh vivian or kicks l out of class and she mm-hmm. and like it's like l blames vivian but i'm like the professor straight up asks vivian do you think that she her being unprepared means i should kick her out of class and what would you say to the professor other than yeah i mean she says it yeah. very meanly like she definitely comes yeah, across as like meaner. icy but she probably already knows who she is cuz she says her name right mm-hmm. like i yeah. it's understandable that she's icy to her fiance's ex-girlfriend who showed up to win
0: her fiance back <laughs> like completely and like of course we later learn that that her character is like super nice and fun so i mean like i agree i feel like um vivian's character is painted really poorly in the beginning and it's it's just it's not super fair on her Because I completely agree. I would not want to be in that situation. I'd be so mad. I'd be like, what the F is happening? Yeah. Uh, There's just one other thing that I want to bring up in this section, which is the bend and snap. (laughs) moment. Not even so much. I mean, I guess we could say what we can say about it. It's just like the bended snap. Why why do you need it also? Would it work? I mean it does I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Like is is it that you bend over
1: and then when you lift yourself up, you put your hands under your boobs? Is that what it is?
0: I guess it's just like <laughs> the fact that your butt looks good when you bend down and then your your boobs look good when you when you stand up. I think maybe that's basically all the reason why it's works every time right.
1: but yeah it's, it basically well it's, what's it implying is not nice for like men or women all it's implying that like men are pervs and only care about your ass and boobs um yep which isn't great for it's either gender
0: nope it's not good for anybody yeah. okay so basically let's move on with the plot. Um, so Elle's internship. She gets the internship. Um, she's put on the team, which is weird. I also wanted to ask, like, mm-hmm. would a, a no. first year like law student ever be interning for a murder case? No, no right? No. So it cool, makes cool, cool. No, cool. Sense. no sense. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Love that it. Uh, love that they do in this movie. <laughs> um, yeah. So so they pull they pull her to work on a mur- murder case for um a workout lady named Brooke, who happens to be a Delta Nu, or um which is one of Elle's sorority sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are kind of like bonded over that and. Um, um, uh, Ellie, uh, Ellie, oh my god, L <laughs> really makes her place on the team like as a valuable asset uh, because she's like very bonded with uh, Brooke, so she's able to get her alibi. Which, if um, you don't remember, is that she she was getting liposuction and she doesn't want people to know because um, she doesn't want to become a fraud. Which I think it's interesting. The direct quote was, "I'd rather go to jail than ruin my reputation," but like, isn't murder gonna also do that? <laughs> so. Not clear, no, but, but anyway,
1: reputation of her butt is more important than her reputation yes. of not being a murderer.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's something to be valued. Her her hot ass, um, and yeah. So she she's well known for like helping women like lose. She she brought L down from a six to a four. <sighs> um, and, uh, but yeah, so, so L is able to get her alibi, but she won't share it with anybody because she promised Brooke. But despite all of this amazing work, Callahan, who's like the professor who's in charge of the case, later reveals, um, as he invites L into his work, um, office one day, he reveals his desire, uh, to like, I don't know. I don't even know, but I guess he wants to sleep with journey. her and he, he, yeah, he just like is into her bod. Um, he hits on her in his office. And Elle instantly regrets having ever come um, to do any of this, and she believes that she's not good enough to do any of it. So that finally brings us to our last chapter. Chapter 3. Why will we never be good enough? Or imposter syndrome. Okay, so imposter syndrome. Um this is the this idea that women uh that well i mean it doesn't necessarily have to be women, but it it's um this experience that a lot of people have where they don't feel as though they are good enough in their discipline, so no matter how how much they work and how how well they do they're always kind of doubting themselves and this happens to women a lot because throughout history um in most industries they haven't really been shown as like people who've been able to master those skills so when they're put into that and this is the same reason why in like meetings when um you know they always say that like men are always speaking and women are much less likely to speak it's because women are much more likely to doubt what it is that they're saying Mm -hmm. um and much more likely to to consider whether or not what they're saying is useful um you often hear language coming from women in meetings being like um I don't know if this is a good idea or not. Whereas a man would speak with a man would speak with much more conviction. And this, again, is just like a cultural response to how we've been raised men a little bit more able to just uh, speak about whatever they think and and be able to believe that what they're saying is correct. And women having always been questioned and undermined for their intelligence, um, thinking that what they're saying isn't necessarily useful or helpful. Yeah, which
1: also is like the uptick thing, right? Where women are uh, stereotypically known for ending their sentences up, even mm-hmm. if it's a statement,
0: which definitely yeah. comes from that too. Exactly. Like always just kind of doubting whether or not what they're saying is useful. Because it, to be fair, like there's been so much, mo- many moments in life where we see women when they speak out being told that what they're saying is stupid or... Mm-hmm. um you know, just like not relevant, you know, even just in any representation, even in this representation, we see women being told how, how they're not smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and women have not really been valued for that. And if they are valued for that, then they have to be ugly at the same time, you know, right. um, there can't be representations of them just being, of that being part of their value. So Paige, do you experience imposter syndrome in your arena of work? Yes, of course. Um, Explain your experience. <laughs> Uh,
1: I mean again I do think I do think I'm very lucky um, I kind of grew up you're a Leo um, yes because I'm a Leo um, yeah I, I don't know if it's nature or nurture whatever but I, I grew up very uh, I don't know like very comfortable with with speaking up and being loud and, mm-hmm. and having to like actively sometimes uh, feminize myself especially in like middle and high school to like for like, you know, m- m- attracting men because I can come across as, as aggressive or abrasive or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know I'm a lot of that is the, is kudos to my parents. Um, but yeah, of course. I mean, it's interesting because I think I don't have that as much with lawyering. So we are theater majors. Um, that's <laughs> that's where we met. That's how um, when I was a theater major. I I felt really bad about myself. Um mm. I was didn't feel talented and more importantly uh in my mind at that time um because women um I had gained some weight and I didn't feel attractive or in my body or anything, so I came to really rely on but I'm smart. Um mm-hmm because, you know, like you said, you can't be both smart and attractive. So I had always been attractive in like high school and stuff. And then I mm-hmm. um, didn't feel attractive in college because I gained some weight and I was a theater major and there was a lot of emphasis on bodies and um, there wasn't a lot of romantic attention, which is how I was used to feeling good about myself. Um, and so I came to kind of rely on my, my brain. I was like, you know, at least I'm I'm not confident in the way I look, but at least I'm smart. So I will say that I think I feel imposter syndrome less. I definitely did in the beginning of law school um, just because I had, I came in kind of with no knowledge and I kept feeling like I had to explain why I was there. <laughs> um, I guess mm-hmm. sort of like L, cause I'd been a, a theater major and then a teacher. Um, and so I constantly had to go through my story of like, oh, well I decided I didn't want to do acting for a living. I fell into teaching and and there I kind of learned I wanted to be able to help people outside the classroom as in a poor area, blah, 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 blah. But I had this narrative that I felt like I had to put out there almost immediately to like justify my uh, being in law school.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine that's something that women face a lot more in general as well. Just like questioning the story of what led them to want to do it. Well, let's go back to the moment which is when Callahan like hits on her good times great moment yeah it's a very um annoying moment because like we had already seen a lot between like as we mentioned before Vivian saying like oh he always wants the women to get his coffee and stuff so we really see here like what he what he sees from women right and he even says like I think he quote his quote is like um you, you know we want you to I thought you wanted to be a good lawyer and it's like you what was that what you expect from a female lawyer like if that's that's what being a good lawyer is as a woman I, to me I really feel like Callahan just does not know how to see a woman without seeing just an objectified body like right. he he cannot separate those two things in his mind which is very very yeah um something that needs to be learned um Anyway, so then she has this this doubt that enters her mind. She's just like, I didn't earn anything right. that I've accomplished, right. which kind of tarnishes all of that she's accomplished. I mean, like, I think it's weird because it's it, you know, she, the reason that she came was completely different, but she did manage to to figure out what, like, how to become what she wanted to be, and she did a lot, and then all of a sudden, just this one thing that someone does makes you back down, and so I think that's what happens a lot for women, a lot of power, or when they're coming against someone with power who does this to them, it tells them, I am not valued for other things, so I should stop even trying, um, which I think is such a huge hurdle that women have to come across when they're right. trying to become um, higher up in, in like uh, any kind of situation, any industry. I mean this is something that really stops, which then I think is really important to mention because so um, after all this happens a little bit with the plot, we continue the L is like I'm done, I don't want to go. She tells Emmett about this mm-hmm. um, and then she goes to Paulette to tell her that she wants to leave. Um, and at the hairdresser, this female professor, yeah, female power is like, "El, if you're leaving, you're not the girl I thought you were. And I mean, obviously, that's amazing. We love, we love yeah, that moment. Says, but
1: uh, I think she said, I wrote it down. If you're going to let one stupid prick ruin your life, you're not the girl I thought you were. You just found out your colleague sexually assaulted one of his students. Are you going to do something about that? Are you going to go to someone at the school? Or are you just going to be
0: like, girl power? That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Because I was also thinking, like, why is it that Elle has to be the one that has to, I don't know, like, uh, overcome this? Right. I mean, I know that that's what the situation is. And in all of these situations, it's on the woman to be the one that's like, don't let this this guy ruin your life. But like, yeah. why is he... Allowed to ruin her life. Right. Like, what if she had just backed down and, like, hadn't done anything, you know, like, decided that she didn't want to do that, which is what happens all the time because there's not just like women around who are in higher positions being like, you don't have to let him do that. We don't have those other women yet. Well, they we are starting to have them now, but we didn't before that told us, like, or who, to tell us something like that. But, like, it's on her, you know, she could, most women would very easily let that just be what happens, like, just let that guy ruin her life. Right. Well, and it's also the implication
1: uh, is that it's Elle's choice whether or not he ruins her life, right? Like yes. it's, yeah, because mm-hmm. it's like, sh- yes, this. I think you know, for all the things the movie does uh, wrong or weirdly with feminism, I think it gets this this moment correct in that, um, you know, a one man's abuse of power um, or like half a second decision can not only, you know, it can throw her, it throws her confidence and her, yeah, yeah, in herself for a loop, but also, like, who's to say that if she had just uh, rejected him and then didn't quit, like, rejected him, like, he probably would have fired her. Like, it wasn't her, it wouldn't have been her decision. He would have just been, like, he would have, found a reason to fire her and, and ruined her reputation amongst like his law colleagues. And, and that would have been it. And also with Vivian, when Vivian sees it and her immediate mm-hmm. response is like, uh, even if Elle was sleeping with him, right. Even if Elle was sleeping with him, why is your response only to be mad at Elle and not to be mad at the professor? Yeah. Who is was allowing sleeping, who, he's wearing a wedding ring, a wedding ring. So married professor who is sleeping Ooh. with one of his students. Yeah. She was just like, "Well no, no, you will fix this with your with your spirit, you first year law student
0: yes, I'll watch you will do this you will go to the law, to the room to the what the courtroom court and you will say to them, I'm now the lawyer here <laughs> that works in most scenarios." <laughs> You know? Yeah. But like I guess it just it just makes me sad because I'm like, it's great that this woman came and she had this like powerful moment to tell her that. But like it just it that's not how it works. No. There are so many women out there who are just like, I I have to they don't have someone to empower them to like figure out how to deal with it. Most women are handling this situation on their own. They feel like they can't tell people about it because because of the way someone like Vivian reacts. Right. Um and they feel like uh, ashamed. They feel like they they didn't, like any of the work that they did, it, it didn't matter because it was just about wanting that. And so they feel like I just need to take myself out of this situation because I'm so embarrassed I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I just think it's it's just like we can't just, it's great that in this movie that woman existed, but like that wouldn't be what happened, you know? Right. It just, it wouldn't be what happened. And in fact, so many women have gone um, just like unable to to move on from that. And that's why there are so many less women in power. Um, and I don't know, I'm just like, maybe we should be telling stories about women who are are going through that moment and mm-hmm. really finding real reasons to be able to overcome them right. that are more realistic.
1: Right. I mean, that's, the, but, yeah. that's, I mean, it's a thing, you know, when we talk about with Time's Up and Me Too and all that, when people talk about like, oh, men's careers who are ruined over an allegation. And it's like, well, you don't know how many... We don't know how many yeah. women's careers they ruined um, because those women don't have voices or platforms. And it could have been as simple, right, as like a shaking their confidence and them deciding to like get out of comedy or whatever. Also, like Emmett is great throughout all of this. Um, it's like maybe there's something we can do and, and all that stuff. But uh, again, it's worth noting that she is only able to do all this stuff really because of a man. And then he's the one who is like, uh, there's something we can do about it, and now like, and I'm gonna bring her in and and watch her uh, and be the supervisor to like watch her mm-hmm. handle yeah. this. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, and like she she's faltering, and he's like, you can do this. Keeps being like, you do it.
1: I will say, great yeah. objection. That was like a real. Uh, I, I was like, that is an actual, she was speculating. Sorry, what? just from a lawyering perspective, they definitely would have, when she's like hammering at Chutney, like, didn't you, blah, 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 you would have had mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. The prosecutor definitely would have been like, objection badgering or objection, uh, whatever. He, she would have objected, even just to stop the momentum. Anyway. Yeah, 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 but,
0: yeah. I hear you, I hear you. But she's a woman, so well, she's very probably bad you know. at her job. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, okay, so- uh, where are we? Where are I'm we? Sorry. Yes. Oh, yes. No, 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 no. This is all very good. This is so good. So we're just gonna continue on with a little bit more of the plot, so we can finish up the the yeah. whole movie. So Brooke fires Callahan um, using some kind of law code, which Paige was discussing <laughs> about how um, Elle is allowed to finish up the case as the lawyer with Emmett as a licensed lawyer who's like supervising her with Tall Man. Not forget about feminist. with Tall Man. Yeah, Tall Man is there. Man. He's great. We love him. So. <laughs> She, is he in the second one, by the way? I don't know. It's been a Am long I? time since I saw the second one. Okay, great. Maybe we need to watch it. Yeah. Okay. So she takes Chutney uh, to the stand, which is Brooke's angry stepdaughter. Uh, who is playing, yeah, Velma from what Can we Do, yeah. which I'm always pleasantly surprised Racing about. Uh, and then this is the best part of the entire movie, in my uh, opinion. I always cry, no matter how many times I've seen it. Um, She's unconfident at first. She doesn't know what to, to say. But then um, she starts asking, like, what... What uh, Chutney had been doing that day, and Chutney discloses that she got a perm and then went home to take a shower where her father was shot. She stresses that she wouldn't have heard the gunshot while in the shower. And then L is like, she has this like change this like moment where she's like, Bing! like I know what to say." So then she starts telling this amazing story about her friends like getting a perm and it looked horrible and then it got soaked and luckily it didn't hold because perms need twenty four hours without water. And then, um, which is something else that movie taught me. I don't know anything about firms. Yeah. Um, and then Chutney, caught in her lie, confesses that she killed her father thinking that it was Brooke. And it's an amazing, truly, a truly amazing moment because we like see Elle winning this case using something that like people were undermining her for for mm-hmm. so long. Street uh, smarts. Like no one else. Did. Exactly, street yeah. smarts. Or just like using what she has learned. Um, and like people are like, that doesn't have any value. But it's like, right. sometimes it can. With things that you that you know. Which again, it's kind of annoying that like, it's that discussion of like women using their womanhood to like overcome problems. And like, but I do think in some cases, it's really beautiful because it is true. We can't deny that women have these very specific things that we've been taught we should Mm -hmm. value. And so when they use them into their advantage, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we flash forward. Oh wait. Oh no, 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 sorry. mm -mm. This is also important. Um, From here, Mediocre Warner tries to win her back, and she's amazing, and says... You are the girl for me. Really? Yes. Pooh Bear, I love you. Oh, Warner. I've waited so long to hear you say that. But if I'm going to be a partner in a law firm by the time I'm thirty, I need a boyfriend who's not such a complete bonehead. Um. Yeah. So and God Warner is just the the worst. Yeah. He's just so mediocre. Like, why did she want to be with that guy? Just really quick, we flash forward at the end of the yes. movie. We see that um, Elle is the elected class speaker. We get an update on people's lives. Warner still sucks. Vivian is at restaurants with Elle. Paulette is married to the UPS guy. Who doesn't and get a name, she- which I love. Yes, me too. And then she and Emmett have been dating, and he's going to propose that night. Yes. Which is just like, why? Why yeah. is it that we needed this movie to be capped with her getting married? Like, Why?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I do like first of all things I like in this flash forward. I like that Vivian dumped Warner, um, and not the other yes. way around. Um, yes, completely. I like the UPS guy doesn't have a name. Um, I like, <laughs> yeah. And then like, yes. I also had a moment where I'm like, Ugh, we didn't need the proposal cap, or like she could have been proposing to no. him, but which um, is what they
0: do in the musical version. Yes, that's
1: no, great, which we love. <laughs> Everyone, go watch the musical version, which was filmed by MTV. Um, Please do <laughs> watch it; it's very worth it. Um, but. Uh, what was I was gonna say I do like I was you know in an overall sort of way yes there's a love story that there doesn't necessarily have to be with her and Emmett but it's super not the focus to the point where we don't even see them kiss like we that's don't see true. the moment where they get together we're just like told it in yeah. a in a caption which mm-hmm. is nice
0: that is nice that is really nice actually that's very true I was just gonna say about Emmett and his and his uh thing is like it's weird that their their relationship is is portrayed I don't know he he also he's just kind of like a guy like he's just around yeah and their moment their bonding moment is like when she calls him a butthead yeah I'm like is this like is this supposed to be I mean, I guess it's kind of nice. It wasn't, like, the focus of whether or not right. they liked each other. Like, we didn't care that much right. at that point. But, like, I feel like when I watched this, I wished that we that, that we saw the more of that, which makes me sad now that I think about
1: yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, again, we get a lot more of it in the musical. Uh, again. Absolutely. That's so true. It's a great thing to watch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think it's – yeah go back and forth because i think also like his thing is just that he's like nice to her and sees her as a human being
0: right like yeah is that all we ask for that's all we ask for <laughs>
1: um he's he a human being yeah. he thinks it's bad that callahan sexually assaults her uh <laughs> real high yeah. high bar he um mm-hmm. yeah he makes jokes with her i don't know like he just treats her like you would treat a normal human being and um yeah yeah so and again he's hot though yeah, yeah. yeah um, I, think so. I think he's fine I yeah. thought he was super like I was super into them as a, a couple as a as a
0: teenager. me too I was really into Luke Wilson yeah. as a kid I have to say the it's one great. the one time that,
1: that I was like yes Emmett go Emmett was when he said uh, Brooke he doesn't trust Brooke because she made her living telling other women she's fat <laughs> they're fat
0: yeah oh yeah I remember that that's that's very true yeah well, we uh, here we are, here we are. <laughs> and that's how Legally Blonde perpetuate us. How does it feel, Paige? Do you feel like you've unpacked this this movie? Do you feel like you understand it yeah. better and can move forward with your life?
1: Yeah, uh, I think um, the, at least the sexual assault plotline, save for the fact that that one lady should have just reported her colleague. Yes. Um, I think I was pleasantly surprised that it was handled decently Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah there's definitely issues but not like so many issues that like you can't still have fun watching it I think it's still a super fun movie to watch I I, I think that I've met a lot of hot blonde lady lawyers um, so you can do uh, it love it (laughs) if you're hot and blonde and listening to this you can do it
0: you can do it you know what we just need to empower women empower women let's do it yeah Um, well also
1: acknowledging uh levels of of, you know privilege that come with being a a hot
0: blonde it's it's also there's it's so complicated Mm -hmm. but you know what that's why on her me out we like to talk about it and i hope that you've enjoyed this episode of a podcast thank you so much to page mayor for lawyer page mayor lawyer joining (laughs) us for this episode I hope you had a good time and enjoyed your experience. Oh, I did, sorry, me. yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking um, to your viewers. And, <laughs> and, and uh, yes, I also hope you, as the viewers, enjoyed and had a good experience. Um, and if you did, feel free to subscribe, uh, share it, and let me know if um, some movie has perpetuated you. And if you're a smart lady, which you are, I mean, you're, you know, Um you can let me know and perhaps we can discuss you being here and doing what Paige just did. And uh but you know, through all this period of time and everything that we're doing, um I hope you're all keeping yourself well and and everything, but just keep remembering that. Paige, will you join me with this? It's It's a a colder people people.